podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Nat Coombs Show College Days. This is where we look at some of the big names in the college game at the moment. Expected, we are expecting to be starring in the NFL this time next year. Players that we think are going to high in the draft, you'll be seeing on an NFL field soon, giving you the inside skinny, giving you a, a bit of a uh, an insight into what to expect, where they're at, a player that could be landing at your team very soon. There is only one, Matt. I feel comfortable enough to take on that kind of pressure and that kind of responsibility. It is our resident college expert and all-pro member of the NC show, Mr. Benedict Isaacs Esquire. Hey, bud. Uh, yeah, it's good. good to have you with us. Class is in session, I guess. Indeed, I am look, I'm looking forward to learning. And as indeed, I'm sure all our listeners are. That is the point. As well as if we've got four players, we're going we're gonna to look at in more detail today. Uh, and then we're going to preview a couple of the big games of the weekend as well. So it's not all about the individuals. We are also looking at the college game and some big uh, games coming up that you can watch this weekend and get you into it a little bit more. Um, because I think a lot of our listeners out there obviously love football, but maybe haven't done more than dip their toe into the college football ocean. So uh, stick with us and we will hopefully illuminate and bring uh, some of those things to life a little bit more. Let's start with, well, let's start with what the mock draft boards are saying, Ben, because that will lead us very much into Kayvon Thibodeau, the defensive end from Oregon that a lot of people are uh, are liking first overall Mm. in in the 2022 draft, which means that the quarterback stock falling. I mean, Spencer Rattler was what a player you talked about. There are others that we expected to go high. Are they falling down? And if so, why? Well, when I came on this show at the end of the NFL season, um, when we really started to turn our attention to the draft, I mean, I say we, obviously, I think of nothing but drafts all the time. Well, of course. 24 7 And I said 2021 was a good year to be in need of a quarterback. Mm. And the reason I thought that was twofold. First, there were a lot of talent available in the 2021 draft in terms of quarterbacks. And second, I wasn't thrilled about the passers who would become draft eligible in 2022. Now, that's not to say there aren't any good quarterbacks this time around, but there looks back then that there'd be a drop off in quality. And it still looks that way. Mm. If the top five picked quarterbacks from the last draft were in this draft instead, they'd still be in that top five, in my opinion. I don't think any of the players, Mm. the quarterbacks coming up now would have broken that top five. Someone like a Davis Mills, who saw some action for the Texans on Sunday, he's someone who went in the third round in 2021, but because of a lack of quarterback talent, I think he'd probably be a second round pick Mm. this year. So does you put him now based on what he did for the Texans at the uh, week? I'm not, uh, people before the draft, some people were saying to me, oh, I think the Bears are going to draft a quarterback. They're going to draft Davis Mills. And they were saying it like, you know, this like, that's the last guy that you would want. He's someone who can have an NFL career. I don't know if he's going to be uh, a starter, but he's someone who can play in the NFL. Like every quarterback who comes out of Stanford, he's really, really intelligent mm. and makes and makes good on-field decisions. He's He's limited physically, but... You know, he was he was thrown into action. He's only been uh, practicing with the backups in Houston. 
Um, you got pancaked by Grant Delpit. Yeah, I mean, it, it I mean, was... That's going to rattle anybody. It, it was tough for him. Like I say, I, do, I don't see him being an NFL starter, and I think mm. he was drafted too high. But I think if he was if he was in this coming draft, he'd be drafted even higher because everyone gets desperate for quarterbacks, and mm. there will still be quarterbacks taken early. You'll still see them dominate kind of in the first round. It just means they're not as good overall as the ones we saw in 2021. So I think it's that, a weaker draft class. Is yeah, because and no, yeah, we, no Trevor Lawrence in the mix. No, like there's yeah, you know, we talked about Spencer Rattler, Malik Willis, Matt Corral. They're really good quarterbacks, and they'll I you know I'm still thinking they'll go in the top ten, but they're top just 10. not they're not as good. They're not they haven't got people buzzing like we thought they might. Whereas mm. other players like Kayvon Thibodeau mm. have really got people excited. So tell us more about him. He is, as, as I think I mentioned, a defensive end out of Oregon and by all accounts, a rabble rouser, right? So <laughs> tell us more about what we can expect when he lands in the NFL. Well, first thing you know is he opted out last season. So he didn't play last year. And he's played about a half of a game this season because of an ankle sprain. Now, Oregon had their biggest win in years, a road, a road win at Ohio State without him. But the simple fact is, in the past few years, the only player on this level in college in terms of defense has been Chase Young. Um, Chase Young, before the draft, I said, you know, he's defensive rookie of the year. Mm. He's unreal and he will slot right in. Kayvon Thibodeau, who hasn't, it's not a serious injury and he's going to be back. He's going to be back soon. He just is the ultimate kind of play disruptor. Mm. He just pretty much parks himself in the opposition backfield. He just gets <laughs> he just gets through and gets very much acquainted with the opposition quarterback <laughs> very, very quickly. He's he's big, he's got really long arms, he he he's got so many different sort of like pass rush skills. You know, he's mm. not relying on kind of like two moves he can do it all um you can't run the ball against him it's he's laser focused on whoever's got the ball if a player does get away he's fast you mm. see many people on the line you're able to kind of like run and catch a ball carrier he does he is he will hunt you absolutely down. fantastic who do you, who do you compare him to who which player is he most like oh past um, or present right do you know what? I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go past, hmm. and I'm gonna say um, Javon Curse, mm. the freak. Um, that's who he reminds Great me of. Javon Curse. The just the the things that he can do with his with his size. And Javon Curse had a, had a, had a good career, but then mm. kind of it's it slowed down a bit. They, he was kind of found out. I think that Thibodeau is better. I don't want to. I don't want to put him and say kind of an Aaron Donald, but he's the sort of player that if in five years time. Kayvon Thibodeau is winning, you know, defensive player of the year. We shouldn't be, no one should surprised. be surprised. Okay. Uh, that sounds entirely promising for. Yeah, well, uh, welcome whoever. to the New York Jets. Yeah. Well, exactly. I was, what I was looking at um, uh, a few, few mock draft pieces and everybody's saying, so the Texans can expand. <laughs> like yeah. a the Texans aren't necessarily a lot. Oh, no, no, no. They're okay. Two or three different pieces. Uh, uh, <laughs> projecting ahead, the Texans are looking better, I think, than, than uh, some people suggest. Um, if you want to stay up late, you can watch him at 3.30am against yeah. Arizona on Saturday night. Oh. If he's playing. Count me in. Yeah. <laughs> I'll wake up in the morning and watch it instead. On uh, ESPN Player, no doubt. Uh, now, Evan Neal. Evan Neal's the next player I want to go to. Uh, speaking of 
Big fellas, 6'7", 360 pounds. Big tackle out of Bama. Uh, so based on those attributes, he's going to play, what, four or five years in the NFL and then move over to Tony Khan's AEW and BCM partner, tag team partner, right? <laughs> he he, could be, he is happen. absolutely massive. Um, yeah, he's 6'7", 360. Um, he's got, again, a very, very, very long arms. He's a blindside tackle. Yes. And he is, he's also super, super quick. The way that, the way that his, his, his footwork is just impeccable. The way that, the way that he can kind of change angles, someone of his size playing on the offensive line should not move as well as he does. He is mm. so athletic. Just people do not get through. I would love, I'd love to see, and it could happen. The two teams could make the playoffs. I, I want to see Kayvon Thibodeau coming up against Neil <laughs> yeah, I, right. because it, they are two kind of like immovable objects. Um, very, very, very tough. Um, like the, the one downside on him, if you want to call it, is that he is at his prime weight. Now you, you wouldn't want him to get any bigger. If they're listing him at 360 as well, you might. Want yeah. To so he's probably a bit bigger, a but from more. in terms of kind of like the sort of the, the eye test, you, you don't want him any bigger. He is, he's perfect as he is. Now, I could imagine a situation where if the Jets have the first overall pick, mm. they're like, we need someone to make sure that Zach Wilson can actually have time to throw the ball. Mm. Um, you know, you need to, whether you believe in Zach Wilson or not, to give him a chance, you've got to make sure he's really, really well protected. So if you've got a young quarterback and you are rebuilding, then Evan Neal's the sort of player who you would love to just have as that kind of building block. And if you, I mean, looking at that, because he, because I understand it, uh, you will be a better place to uh, expand on this. But I understand it that he played on on the right side of the line, and and then they switched into to blindside tackle. If you're investing a top ten, top five pick in in a tackle, and we've talked about this a lot over the years, haven't we? That there is one of the reasons why it is a more sensible play to take a tackle. E the degrees of bust, I guess. That even if they don't work out as a, as a left tackle, assuming, you know, you don't, you don't have to, and, and you have a right-handed quarterback. So a blindside tackle that they can switch to the right or even move down the line to guard. And you can get a serviceable eight, 10 year career out of a player like that at, at a reasonably high level. Now it's, if you've spent a top five overall pick, that isn't ideal, but it's better than a, a burner receiver that you take and, two years and, you know, in Keel Harry style just isn't working out at all. And, and, and it's, you know, much more of a, an obvious bust. With someone like Neil coming into the pros, do you see that he will go to a team like the Jets or a team that feels that they're comfortable on the blindside tackle and play a few years on the other side. And is that okay to be waste, well, spending a pick on, on that type of trajectory? So rather not that he didn't work out, so you moved him, consciously bring him in and play him on the other side of the line. Um, I think that if you, if you feel that you're set at left tackle, then maybe you would use your draft collateral elsewhere mm. rather than, because you, you'll feel you can get better value on a right tackle somewhere else. Now he can play and has played. He's played at guard. He started as, as freshman. He was a guard. And I think he was credited with not allowing a single sack mm. in that freshman season. 
Then he went to right tackle and this year he's doing left tackle. Now, the reason they're moving him around isn't because of really anything that he's done. It's where they had players leave. Right. So players, players got drafted. So they wanted, so when Alex Leatherwood, um, when Alex Leatherwood moved, they, they put, they put Evan Neal there instead and, you know, kind of haven't really, haven't really missed a beat properly. Now, Alabama's Alabama and they're the best team in the country again. They look more fallible than they did last year. Last year they were absolutely unreal. Mm-hmm. It was one of the best Alabama teams of all time. And that's that's saying a lot. Now, Evan Neal had a good good game against Florida last week. But on both sides of the line, Florida were pushing Alabama around. Alabama squeaked a win on the road at Florida, which isn't a tough, which is a tough place to go. Mm. And Florida are good this year, but that was a game. I they were favored by like about 14 points or something. And it did not, it did not pan out like that. And it, the reason it didn't is because Florida dominated the line of scrimmage. So this Alabama team isn't as, isn't as strong. And Evan Neal's got even more to do because of that. I think whoever drafts him will want to keep him at left tackle, mm. but he's, it's great that he is a kind of Swiss army knife on that, mm. on that line. And he's played at such a high level wherever he's been put on the line. Okay. Next up, uh, a receiver, a higher state receiver who, this was interesting, Ben, was it only a three-star prospect coming out of California? So expand on, on how the prospect and the star rating system works for listeners that maybe aren't familiar with that. So the, the star rating system is, is somewhat subjective, obviously. Um, five star being the top rating and one star or no stars being, being the lowest. And is the star rating just for players that are contenders for the college system? Or is that everyone? So that, so that if there are, if you're a starter in high school, you're going to get a rating or is it, are they just taking the best of the best and then applying one to five stars? Yeah, pretty pretty much the best of the best. If you you know, there obviously there are so many high schools, so many players that not everyone is going to get a rating. Now, five, if you've got a five star rating, that is obviously a big deal, and coaches and recruiters want those five stars on their teams. These those ratings aren't anything to do with how they feel they will play in the NFL. It is purely how well they will play in college. Because if you're a college head coach, that's what matters. If you win national championships, but you don't get any players drafted, you're fine. Mm. Um, it doesn't, you know, it rarely works out like that, but sometimes it does the other way. Now, what's happening is that obviously much like in, much like in the draft, it's, it's sort of easier to identify the five-star players. You know, someone, someone who knows enough about high school football will see a quarterback, for example, and be like, that's a five-star quarterback. But, there's only so many five-star players you're going to get because there's only so many available. And it's kind of identifying those three-star players, much like identifying a player in the third or fourth round of the NFL draft and feeling, do you know what? That's someone who can become a productive starter. And that's, that's great value. So these, those, these three-star players who, who come up, I mean, they're often kind of hungrier. It's, mm. And it is, there is not as much film and they aren't assessed as deeply as during the draft process you know there is so much game film for anyone in the draft whereas in high school you know even if you've got game footage of these players let's say you decide you want to you're interested in chris alave and he's there in high school 
you're reliant on whatever the school has filmed unless the games are kind of on ESPN. ESPN does show some really good high school games. If you're that sort of person who wants to watch them like me, then you can find them on a regular basis. Often those, and this might sound like a silly thing, but trust me, it isn't. On the footage that is produced by the high schools, the camera angles are often bad. There's no all 22. And if you don't know what all 22 is, it's the camera angle where you can see all 22 players on the field at in each play and see where players are moving around. When you're watching a quarterback, it's easier because he's getting the ball on every single play. Mm. On a wide receiver, if you don't have those angles, you don't see what he's doing when the ball is, right. isn't thrown to him. Right. So it, it is an inexact science and there will be three star players who do produce like massively and you'll get people like trevor lawrence who are five stars right the moment they walk into high school on the field and what you need of course in that situation if the footage is indifferent is is billy riggins there you go you need a billy riggins (laughs) to cut cut some good uh highlights for you so chris alave ohio state was three-star prospect, mm-hmm. but he's uh, certainly surpassing that kind of, of rating. Are we expecting him to be a first rounder? Yeah, I think I think he I think he will be. I think he will be. People are going to be enamored with his speed. He's a former former sprinter. That that was kind of his first love in mm-hmm. high school. Which you know maybe that maybe that's why he maybe wasn't as committed to high school football. Maybe that's the cause of his rating because everything that he's shown on the field at Ohio state would make you think that this is like, this is a five-star guy. He's a burner. He, he is, but it's like, um, it's, it's kind of his acceleration Mm. that the first kind of like, um, 10 or 20 yards getting away from someone to get himself open rather than simply making that catch and like going 80 yards and no one can catch up with him. Right. It's him getting ahead there so it's on the line of scrimmage and he's already a step ahead of the of the defensive back getting himself open and with that it's all about the separation so he makes wide receivers lives so much easier when you've got that separation when you're not throwing into those tight windows so you know for justin fields that was absolutely fantastic for him last season so it's different this year. He's got CJ Stroud um, as his quarterback at Ohio State, and the Ohio State offense is not what it was with Justin Fields. That's partly due to the lack of Justin Fields, who was a kind of transcendent player for them. But also, the, the CJ Stroud is CJ Stroud's okay, and Chris Olave is having to do a lot of the a lot of the heavy lifting. He's a very intelligent player. He's quick. He's he's crafty, and I think if you want a versatile wide receiver. He's going to be fantastic. I really hope the Bengals take him because with Alave, Jamar Chase, and T. Higgins, do, just do it. Since that, yeah, I, really I want to watch that. That's what else you need. Yeah, just do that's that. that's the kind of yeah you'll want to. The Bengals would be sort of must see TV every week because oh, of that. I just do it. I mean, Cincinnati, make yourself relevant with with. Uh, Borrow and those three, that would be extraordinary. All right, last one, last player, and then we're going to look at a couple of big games you can watch this weekend. Jermaine Johnson, who uh, a lot of listeners uh, might remember from Last Chance You, of course, Jermaine Johnson, mm-hmm. of Last Chance You fame. So things looking up for him. So Jermaine Johnson, um, he ended up at University of Georgia. Now he's at now he's at Florida State. Now I said at the start of the season, I think I I said I thought that Florida State were going to get a bounce back. You did season. Yeah. They were going to play a lot better. And in the first week of the season, they almost beat Notre Dame. Game went to overtime. It was fantastic. And I felt like, there we go. 
Well done, Ben. You've got that one right. They've been hot garbage. They have been absolutely <laughs> atrocious. They got Did you beat- just to jump back? Did you go when that was happening? Look at a mirror or maybe look on your iPhone or smartphone and well done. <laughs> did, 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 yeah. yeah. Pretty much, yeah. It's sometimes I'll just um I'll get into a Zoom meeting by myself and just kind of like watch myself be like <laughs> good job, professor, that sort of thing. Um so yeah, I was I was feeling pretty pretty good about that prediction. And then they lost to Jacksonville State, Ooh, um, who were even worse than the Jacksonville Jaguars. Um some of the worst secondary coverage you can possibly imagine on the on the on the final play that won the game for Jacksonville State. Then they got blown out by Wake Forest. There are there are a lot of problems at Florida State and um, Mike Novell, their coach, who's not been there that long. There's already talk of, is he going to get the boot? Now, just a slight tangent, because I think the listeners will want to know about this. Primetime, Deion Sanders, who is coach of Jackson State, not to be confused with Jacksonville State, mm-hmm. Jackson State in Mississippi. He's a head coach there. They're two and one. They have recruited so well because primetime he of course, you know, that name yeah. opens doors you know people will want to play for Deion sanders if they if they can't get into one of the big schools why not play with Deion sanders right he's now being linked with the open job at usc which i think is wild i don't think it's going to happen primetime is being linked to the usc uh, yeah usc is one of the biggest jobs Please in college football to make that happen that would be brilliant but i think more realistic is if things still start to go mm. badly for Florida State. And they had a few years of really bad recruiting, which is why they'd got themselves in this hole. And they've tried to fill it by transfers like Jermaine Johnson, people who'd been somewhere else. Mm. Maybe getting Deion Sanders in, getting that recruitment going, because you know he's a former Florida State star. He is just, you know, he's one of those personalities. People will want to play for him. Mm. He might be the guy to fix it because Florida's strategy has been, we want players like Jermaine Johnson we're going to get them as transfers. He's another big defensive end. He's been the lone bright spot, really, for Florida State the last couple of weeks. Really explosive, really powerful. He's got a great burst, does lots of kind of like the way that he kind of like rips through the offensive line. He hasn't got talent around him, unlike Kayvon Thibodeau, who even when he's not playing that defensive line, does well. He is outplaying everyone around him and he's in he's in a he's in a tough spot but mm. at least sometimes when you when you're on a team that is struggling but you're playing well then obviously you really stand out and people can really focus on you he's he's first round talent mm. surrounded by a lot of trash and he's really showcasing himself he's he's someone who's going to make a defensive coordinator very happy with the with the violent way that he kind of gets rid of blockers well, Jermaine Johnson, remember that name as well then. So there we go, four uh, first-round prospects, uh, and there is more where that came from. All through the season, we're going to be dropping college days and getting you acquainted with players that we expect to see in the high rounds next year in the draft, and therefore you're going to be seeing playing uh, in the NFL pretty sharpish. We'll wrap, though, with two College games this weekend that you want to pick out, Ben, for for different reasons, starting with the aforementioned Notre Dame. Uh, they're playing Wisconsin at Soldier Field, excitingly. Uh, yeah. And of course, uh, the Fighting Irish are 3-0. But Ben, are they like the Steelers of last season with where the record perhaps betrays what they're really about? That's, that, is a, that is a good comparison. They will be very happy with their record 
but they will be rather nervous about the way that they've played. I've already said how bad Florida State have been this season. And they almost lost to Florida State and perhaps should have lost to Florida State. So, yes, they're 3-0, and but they've made hard work of it. And now they're finally playing a team that is good. Wisconsin are a very powerful, as in like the way that they play, they are a powerful, strong team. They, they classic big 10 team. And those, those teams in the North, in the, in the Midwest who play in the cold, play outdoors and expect to have strong offensive linemen and to, and to run the ball behind them. It's going to be a great occasion at Soldier Field. I, I, a lot of people don't even know where Notre Dame is, but it's in Indiana, but it's right on the board with Illinois, the nearest, the nearest big city uh, to South Bend, which is where Notre Dame is, is Chicago. And they've got a huge alumni base in Chicago. So when they can play games there, they, they try to do it. And this, this will be a neutral site game. It's not a home or away for, for anybody. It'll be packed with, packed it, with. Yes, it is. Yeah, it is going to be, it's going to feel like a Notre Dame home game, although loads of Wisconsin fans are going to make the trip. It's Sometimes with these NFL stadiums, you don't get as much of a college atmosphere. And I've, I've experienced that myself. Why is this, that? Well, sometimes those NFL stadiums are kind of too nice, too corporate, too mm. domed. They're just mm. not the same atmosphere. Now, people will say that the only stadium in the NFL that's like a college stadium is Lambeau Field, which, mm. which is, a, is a fair point. I think the way that Soldier Field is, the way that you can be sort of quite on top of things, the fact that you will have such good support from both teams, the way that it, the way that, you know, the geographic location of it means that you will get a good set of fans there mm. i'm expecting it to be really good i'm expecting notre dame to win but wisconsin have so much to lose if they don't if they don't win it they'd go two and two although they've only lost the one game within the big 10 and that's really what counts in terms of kind of their their conference standings but this is a team that had legitimate playoff aspirations they've already lost to penn state who look really really good if they lose to notre dame then it's kind of over for them. Say Whereas, Gracie. Yeah. yeah I mean, now, Notre Dame, they will feel like they should be a, a playoff team. Mm. Now, whether they will be, whether they are, that's, that's, that's up for debate. Jack Cohn, their quarterback, was at Wisconsin. And he's felt like this is going to be a difficult, awkward game. The Jack Cohn Revenge him. Bowl. Uh, yeah, so he replaced hi. Ian Book. And there's been a bit of a step backwards from Ian Book. And Saints fans, maybe that's encouraging for you but maybe not. So that looks like, to me, the game of the week. Looks like a goodie. A one quick line on Arkansas against Texas A&M, because that's a big old rivalry, of course. And uh, Arkansas, well, things are looking up for them because they're, a, of course, one of the, the powerhouses in, in college football. And it's been, from what I can work out, quite slim pickings by their high standards over the last decade, right? Yeah, it really has. And... Uh, you know, everyone kind of like each season is like, are Arkansas going to be back or are Arkansas still a joke? And for a mm. while, they've been a joke. And they played the University of Texas in an out-of-conference game this season. And that used to be a big rivalry back in the day. Now, there was a bowl game, the Texas Bowl, about 10 years ago that Arkansas beat Texas. And the coach of Arkansas, because people were so up for beating Texas, he described that win as, and I quote, borderline erotic that's how he felt about beating texas now arkansas arkansas look good and people are surprised arkansas looking good they're three and oh texas a&m are looking good people aren't as surprised they're also three and oh now texas a&m have to really impose their will 
on the region. So if you don't know, Texas are going to join the SEC where Texas A&M moved a few years back. Texas A&M would rather Texas was not there because when, when we talk about recruiting, being able to say, oh, you can stay in the state of Texas mm. and play in the SEC was massive. So Texas A&M always played second fiddle to Texas. Now they don't. Now they lead the recruiting and Texas are kind of picking up the scraps, which is why Texas want to move. That's what this is all about. It's about mm. recruiting, getting those five stars from Texas. Texas A&M also poach a lot of players from the state of Arkansas. And mm. Arkansas as a state is too small to, you know, kind of fight back on that. It's recruitment has become much more national and less regional. You can get players from anywhere, which is why there's quarterbacks born in California all over the map now. Mm. It just seems to be that's where you get your quarterbacks. You go shopping in Southern California. Mm. So Texas A&M have got to really put their foot down here and show that they are proper playoff contenders because it is going to get very tight. Only Alabama have really looked convincing and even they struggled on Saturday. So there's space for someone like a Texas A&M to make a statement win mm. in a battle of two unbeatens. The atmosphere will be absolutely fantastic as it is for all these SEC games. I think Texas A&M are going to win. Arkansas will still have a decent season, but Texas A&M will have eyes on the playoffs. Watch that space. Love it. Great stuff, Ben. Uh, More college days coming your way through the season, of course, Uh, and more Ben coming your way because our week three NFL preview dropping later on this week. Uh, and uh, Ben in the hot seat for that one as well. So we'll get you set for the weekend. Also, Edge Rush, keep an eye out for that. Uh, Propo and I dropping that Saturday morning. So the pod's coming thick and fast. If you haven't already, uh, follow us on social at the NC Show, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. We'll roll out videos as well from the shows on there. So you'll get to see the wonderful backdrop uh, that Ben Isaac's sitting in front of uh, (laughs) right now. It's a beautiful thing. Trust me, go check that out. Uh, And a big shout out to everybody who has dropped a review on whichever pod platform you listen to uh itunes in particular i've seen some reviews rolling on there at the moment massively appreciate that we read them all we really appreciate the feedback uh good bad or indifferent uh and uh appreciate you taking the time to do that so keep those rolling because that helps us as well algorithmically apparently that helps us (laughs) so i'm gonna go work out what the hell that means uh and we will get set for our preview show ben but fine work on this as ever man good to see you Yeah, fantastic to be here. We'll speak soon. Brilliant, Ben Isaacs. We will check in with you soon indeed. See you later on the week. Sports Social Podcast Network.